Hey, this is Glenn with another Difficult Questions, and this one is on how do we make sense of it all? I've been following a, an ex-journalist from the BBC, and his whole thing is about sense-making and really discovering how we make sense of things and how everything is just turned upside down <laughs> recently, especially in the last four or five, six years, but also with, with social media. And his big thing recently was with ivermectin versus the vaccine. And he wanted to get the experts, the scientific, scientific experts from ivermectin. And he wanted to get the scientific experts from the vaccine. And he wanted to ask them very pointed questions. And if some one other person had a rebuttal or had had a statement, he wanted to give the opportunity to the other side to have a conversation and no one would do it. And he just was beside himself. And to him and to me, that is the ultimate sense-making. When you get people together, not for a debate, <clears throat> but when you get people together to have this conversation, these, these apparent authorities that say they're authorities and they wouldn't do it. So why wouldn't they do it? What, what has changed, right? Um, I, I think it's come down to a few things. Before, we had voices of authority, and we knew who these voices of authority were. First, they were our parents. They were our, our elders. They were our religious leaders. The church we went to, the person who led that, they helped make us make sense of the world. They had a narrative of the way that we viewed everything. And then we had mass media, we had the government, our representative, our president telling us this certain way. And there was this, this gatekeeping. These, you, ha, you went certain places, New York Times, Washington Post, to these voices of authority to tell you to make sense of the world around you, right? Well, starting with the boom in social media, that gatekeeping started to get knocked down and people were trying to tell you their version that's versions of things and they got rewarded by spouting their versions of things and i'm not saying they're insidious or they're wrong but the whole idea of this gatekeeping for good or bad started to knock down this this way that we make sense of our world and it started to knock down this this cohesion so you have this this tactic. Uh, well, there's a saying that if, if in order to become famous, you throw a brick at a famous person. And kind of that started happening on social media. And you had all of these other voices that could get out and people could hear them. And not only did you go to get the information, they were getting the information to you. They were you were as you were scrolling, you were seeing all this stuff. And I think that destabilizes us and we don't, we don't know how to make sense of the world when we have all of these other experts. The other thing is the voice of youth. Before, the voice of youth was gated. And I think that the voice of youth is idealistic, 
but isn't all the way thought through. When Think when you were in your 20s or if you're in your 20s now, you probably know what, how the world works. But guaranteed, you'll run into a few situations where your ideals are challenged and you have to figure out how that works in your world. Um, and that usually happens, especially for me, it happened in my 30s big time. Uh, in my 40s, I'm always challenged. I actually look for the challenge. Uh, I don't, people, people would say, Glenn, you don't have ideals. And I say, well, <laughs> but um, that youthful voice got a megaphone and got rewarded because of social media. That youthful voice could gain followers. And then be, because they could gain followers, the mass media saw an opportunity and saw money. And obviously people, as, as you are losing followers to social media, you want to figure out what your competitor is doing. So if you were the New York Times, maybe you work on getting a voice that's younger or you work on finding something that people respond to because you're losing viewership. So I think that over, over since 2007, really the smartphone, I blame you, Steve Jobs, <laughs> right? Since the smart, the smartphone, we've, we've started to, to knock down these kind of funnels of sense-making. And I think all of this is kind of really destabilized us. Plus, then we have this, this scare, uh, this, this health crisis, and it's something absolutely we haven't dealt with in a long time as a society. So it's new to this society. And we are, we, there's fear injected into the, into the, uh, into the society in order for control or for uh, people wanting to gain attention or get their ideas out. And I think it's just a, a, a mess <laughs> and people are kind of in a wash. Uh, I have a friend a couple years ago, he, we, we were always talking about race and we, we see, we see the, the, the main um, talks, you know, health, COVID, is a big sense-making problem, but race and race issues is a big sense-making problem. Gender, Me Too, right? Um, and he was talking about going to Taco Bell and he liked getting a Mexican pizza. But then he was thinking because he was listening to all of this voice of youth about what is racism and obviously a Mexican pizza at Taco Bell. Well, Taco Bell is not Mexican food. It's Mexican inspired. And the whole idea of a Mexican pizza could absolutely be offensive. The thing has been around since what, the late 80s, early 90s, got to be before I was a kid when I started ordering Mexican pizza. So it's got to be since about the 80s. So cultural appropriation, offensive. And he just thought, is it racist for me to order a Mexican pizza? That's where we are with sense making. You know, um, I, I am developing this film Deuce. And one of the things that 
I was really intrigued with that the real Deuce wasn't so intrigued with. He's my development partner. So it's a, it's a movie inspired by his life and the characters that he knew, the people he knew and his journey. But, um, black guy. And in my conversations with, with, uh, friends of mine in black community, but there was always this weird tension around gayness, being gay, where it wasn't talked about, period, by my black gay friends or my black straight friends. And uh, another friend of mine, she talked about how white guys play this kind of gay chicken game where they joke about being gay and is that homophobic? And it's not, and, and even gay men, gay white men will talk about being gay. But when I've noticed that gay black men will not even engage in any, not, not even joking, not even conversation. It's not a thing that the black community enjoys talking about, period. And I wrote a scene in Deuce where those two worlds collide where Deuce is it's very much a, at some point in the movie, it's a fish out of water scene. And so he encounters this guy in, in a locker room. He's never been in a locker room before. And this guy comes in naked and Deuce says, Hey, put your clothes on before I talk to you. And the guy challenges him and says, you're homophobic. Well, that whole scene, the my, the line producer I hired to run a budget and schedule for the scene said, hey, hey, that's a homophobic scene. And I said, is it a homophobic scene? It's about a culture clash. We're not slamming gay people. This white guy is playing gay chicken <laughs> and black men don't play that. That's what I want to talk about. But when he read it, his sense making was that's homophobic. And I get it because the journey of the gay man in society, right? I mean, fighting real hard for equality, fighting real hard to not be seen as a pariah. You have all this negative stereotype stuff. I mean, even when I grew up, AIDS was, was going. So they had to fight through that and that negativity. You know, they called it gay cancer. So it was just I mean, negativity, negativity, negativity. And now we're to the point where if it refers to homosexuality and it is not an overtly positive message, not just neutral or not explore, explorative, but if it's not overtly poor, positive, it is labeled as homophobic. And I don't agree, but that's my sense making. But the common sense making, the youth idealistic sense making is it's gay is our superheroes and everything gay is, is positive and everything trans is positive and everything. And there's no, you cannot explore interesting um, nuances. It's got to be the superhero message. And I understand why I don't agree. And I should, I think, get to have that dialogue. Another thing that, that he hit was there's one main character in, in, in Deuce that's female 
And she kind of drives the whole the whole movie because she has internal drive. And I've met women like this and he Deuce has met women like this. Like they have a plan and they have to get there and they try to get people together with their plan. There are men that do this too, right? It's just a character trait. But my 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 line producer read it and he said, Oh, this is just it's a one note crazy bitch. It's like, what? That you read a one note crazy bitch? Okay. I never saw her as a one note crazy bitch, but I guess I could see how you could see that because she's she's ex explosive. She's a volatile human being. She has to put up with a lot and Deuce doesn't Deuce doesn't have his shit straight. <laughs> and she has her shit straight and that annoys her and she needs him to have his shit straight. I mean, it's kind of this this male female battle that that sometimes happens and sometimes it's male sometimes it's female for the person that has their stuff together but um anyway he saw it at, because of her reactions in in the movie in the script as she's a crazy bitch again it's either everything positive about women or you're slamming women and i i don't agree with that i think there's nuance but it was so interesting to me for his sense making when he read that. And then I threw those scenes to other people and they brought their own histories into this scene, these scenes that had nothing to do with what they were bringing into the, the conversation, into the scene. And it just really, it blew me away. It's, it's all about sense making. It's, you send out a message and someone will read it in a different way. Um, and I don't know if, I don't think that that's bad, but I, I wonder how we're ever going to get to a dialogue again. I was just doing a radio interview and they asked me, do we, do you see us ever finding that balance between, when we were talking about COVID, freedom and the common good? And I said, honestly, there has to be an undeniable enemy out there. So we had togetherness during Pearl Harbor because the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. So the U.S. all formed behind winning that war, no matter what it takes, we're cohesive. And then again, I saw that in 2001 with the falling of the Twin Towers to the detriment of any brown person that was Arab or looked Arab. By the way, that was a highly racist time, but we also came together. And I want to have that discussion. <laughs> it's not, hey, we were all together. We were all together against brown people. And I remember that. And that was not cool. It was scary to be brown, even look like you were uh, possibly Muslim. And if you're Muslim, you really remember that. I remember black men would joke, oh, thank God that the terrorists weren't black. It's not us. Right. Because normally in the U.S., we don't like the black man or we don't like the black person. So. How does this all fit in? How, how do we all make sense? And and again, I just go back to are you being kind to the person in front of you right then, right there? Are you being respectful? Are you giving joy? Are you. Maybe challenging, but being respectful. Always be respectful. Never be afraid. 
stop being the person being disrespectful because that only gains more disrespect. That's my rule. I don't know. What's your rule? That's my talk on how to make sense of it all. What do you think? Thanks. 